And should we just, Sean, be ready to tweet out while it's going on here? Do you want me to do yeah. that helpful once it goes live? Yep. Get one ready here. All right, uh, Pastor Greg, we are live on Google Hangouts, and we're on the air, and uh, so I'll turn it over to you to let you introduce some of our guests while I work on getting our other guest on the call. All right. Hey, everybody. Glad that you're along today, uh, wherever you happen to be. Uh, this is Google Hangouts, and uh, we do this a couple of times a month on the second and fourth Wednesday, and uh, we just hang out with guests and talk ministry issues. And uh, we're excited this week to be talking about leadership development. And uh, as usual, Sean Wood will be my kind of partner in this. And uh, I want to just introdu introduce some of the people that we've got on. I'll see if I can catch the guys that are on right now. We've got a couple of more that uh, are having some technical uh, issues and hopefully will join us. First of all, we've got Justin Lathrop. Justin, welcome. Thank you. So good to be on. Well, Justin, you uh, do a little bit of everything. <laughs> you, you've uh, you've been uh, um, uh, in businesses, starting businesses and ministries uh, that uh, to the church that advance the kingdom. And tell me a little bit about what you're involved in. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, done executive pastor for uh, several years and love the local church and. Uh, but now I just actually, as of yesterday, launched a new company called Sum Company. It uh, stands for Social Media Company, and it works with uh, platform development for cr Christian leaders and nonprofits. Uh, but then I, you know, other uh, leadership development uh, companies like MinistryCoach.tv and uh, a staffing company in the past as well. So just just love all things church and anything I can do to help advance the kingdom and and work with uh, church leaders is what I'm about. Great, great, and we also have. Uh, Scott Williams with us, and uh, Scott, you're in Oklahoma City. I don't know if you're in Oklahoma City right now. Are you? Yes, I'm actually in Oklahoma City right now. Well, we uh, certainly are saddened by the whole tornado uh, situation. How has that Tell impacted me. you, or, uh, or or has it? You know, I, I think first, as I was mentioning kind of before we had got on here, I literally just was able to get into my office today, and it was from a storm that was just before the tornado, just from some straight winds and and torn some stuff down. As far as how it's affected me, I mean, I was actually traveling when the storm hit, so my wife, family, mom, they were able to get in our tornado shelter. And then since then, it's just been a matter of all of the relationships that I have around the country and around the world. I've just been, it's a matter of putting them in contact with the right people, whether it's letting them know what's going on with the convoy of hope, what's going on with Feed the Children, what's going on with the churches and organizations that are all throughout the city trying to make things happen. And so it's just been a you know, it's been really good to be able to be, you know, kind of a, an ambassador or connector to these people that want to just, you know, make sure their money's going to the right place or be able to schedule trips about what they can do. And so um, for the last couple of days, that's really what I've been doing is just spending time with people everywhere from, from Nigeria to, to New Zealand through all over the U.S. that just want to help. Well, why don't we just kind of throw in right there, if somebody wanted to help, um, how, how could they get connected with you or uh, who should they connect with? Well, I mean, what I've been having people do as far as want to contact me and I put them in contact with somebody, that my assistant, you know, she's my director of operations, her name is Nicole Haddon, her, her email address is Nicole at nextlevel.net, so it's nxtlevel.net, uh, but specifically as far as on the ground here, again, we have um, lots of the churches are partnering with Convoy of Hope, they're on the ground, I know they have stations set up at Life Church Camp, they, have a, uh, they just had a little headquarters set up at New 
New Life Bible Church there in Norman today. They're doing some great work. Obviously, people, there's numbers you can text and, and give some money directly to uh, Red Cross. Uh, Feed the Children is uh, one of the larger um, nonprofits that's actually here from Oklahoma City. They're doing some great work. And so there's a number of ways, a lot of our local news stations. I know uh, peopleschurch.tv, lifechurch.tv, journeychurch.tv. And so there's a number of ways. And so if someone were to email and say, hey, this is what it is. We just want to give money. We'll just direct. Our goal is just to facilitate them to some great people that we know that are doing great things. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Your, uh, your company is Next Level uh, Solutions. Is that right? Yes. And tell us what you do. Okay, so um, really, I, I kind of to sum it up in a, in a sentence is we help we help organizations with both internal and external growth. And so internal, it might mean a church or an organization or a nonprofit will bring us in, and we'll kind of go along and whether it's uh, looking at culture, assessing culture, whether it's leadership development, whether it's you know working alongside the, the senior pastor and helping them with strategy, whether it's working alongside the executive pastor, and specifically when it comes to multi-site, we're going in and just putting launch strategies together and really helping with growth, some that either have already launched campuses and want to relaunch it in a, in a way that is proven to be a little bit more successful. And then also on the outside, with whether it's marketing, communication, branding, social media, so a little bit of everything. If you want to grow, you want your culture to grow, you want to grow externally, internally, that's what we do. Okay, great. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you a little bit more about specifics in a minute. I see uh, Carrie Newoff has uh, joined us. Hey, Carrie, uh, how are you? I think you are muted. Look up in the right-hand corner. There's a little red thing that you gotcha. Un gotcha. Okay. All right. Hey, how you doing? I am good. Yeah, uh, Carrie is the lead pastor at Connexus Community Church uh, in Toronto, and it's a multi-campus church that's growing, and also is a, a partner of North Point Church, and. Uh, we are. Uh, so tell us what's going on in Canada right now. How, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Greg. You know what? Um, I'm actually uh, just in some borrowed space. I'm watching my son uh, run track and field today. So that's what's going on in my life right now. I'm more a dad than a pastor today. But uh, in the meantime, um, man, I just love um, learning from other leaders. Um, we're in a great season as a church. We're looking at what's next and what's ahead. Um, like you said, we're in a season of growth. And uh, I'm really enjoying blogging these days and, of course, talking about Orange and, and hanging out with other North Point strategic partners. So that's sort of a, a synopsis in my world. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're here with us, and we'll talk Thank a little you. bit more Thanks about that. Ron Edmondson, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I, I had to unmute my microphone too. I'm, I'm, this is only my second or third of these, and so I'm still learning as I go. Well, good. I'm forgetting how to put my little name up there. Somebody <laughs> tell me how to do that. I did it last time. <laughs> well, until you figure that out, and uh, maybe Sean can talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, maybe text him, Sean, give him some information. Uh, but uh, Ron uh, has more than 30 years of experience in leadership. He's planted two churches, and uh, he's passionate about church plants and thriving churches and has a great leadership blog. And uh, so we are just happy you're here, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. I think that's what we've got. I think we've got one more coming, and we'll introduce her uh, when, she, uh, when she gets here. Let's talk leadership just a little bit. It's interesting. Uh, that today uh, at Seacoast, we are hosting 
uh, a group of 15 uh, next-gen pastors of fairly large churches uh, through Leadership Network. And so we've spent the last um, two and a half days just kind of talking about, you know, what, uh, what what's on their mind, what's on their heart. And uh, leadership development is the big one. Um, that's the nut everybody wants to crack, and uh, everybody is having a challenge with it. And so let's kick it around a little bit. Scott, let's uh, first, you know, there's been a bit of debate over the years about the idea of uh, what's the difference between leadership development and discipleship. Some people say leadership development is for business. Some people say it's the same as discipleship, two different things. If, if you were going to do an elevator ride to convince me what you think leadership development is, what would you say? What, what is it? What, in, in your frame of reference, how do you define leadership development? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest ways when I look at leadership development, I think it's, it's the responsibility or it's the, when a leader says, you know what, I'm going to pour into someone and move them from where they are to where they want to be or from where they are to where they need to be. And one thing about leadership development is that, you know, genuine leadership development, it takes time. And so it takes time. And what it does, it also, I think, inspires individuals for a, a true sense of self-development. And so I think that's the biggest thing is just knowing that you're truly committed to helping someone win. You're truly committed to helping someone get better. Because, you know, I just don't think there's just this you know, fix-all box of what leadership development is because it's, it's, it's almost like a, a plant or a tree. I mean, every, every tree and plant, some need different things. Some need more sunlight than others. Some need more water than others. Some need more nutrients than others. But they all need certain things to be able to grow. And so when we're talking about developing leaders, we're the ones that are helping to pour those particular ingredients in that that individual may want to develop need in order to grow. And so um, that's it. And when, I think when you're talking about the, the, you know, the argument, whether it's you know, discipleship and leadership development and, and all of those things, I, I think the, the, the biggest the most important thing for us to understand when it comes to that is understand that, you know, discipleship, yes, generally talking about, we're talking about from a spiritual context, we're talking about being a disciple of Christ. But if we look at leadership development, if Jesus is the penultimate leader, then we're talking about being a disciple, then we're also talking about leadership development. Okay. I, uh, we, we have a great example of leadership development in front of us. Uh, Sean has discipled Ron in how you get your name up on the screen. And so, Absolutely, I'm with it. Well, can he disciple me as well? That is great. If, well, if you look in the uh, chat on the left-hand side, our group chat there, Scott, I'll disciple you. I'll take you on as a, as a disciple. All right, great. Uh, Ron, let me, let me just uh, throw the same thing out. If you're going to define uh, leadership development, you agree with Ron, uh, uh, Scott? Is it, uh, how, how do you do it? What do you, what do you what do you say? What does leadership development mean to you? You, you know, I, I get frustrated with the argument on my blog because anytime I write about leadership, I'll hear from a dozen well-meaning pastors that tell me I shouldn't be talking about leadership. I should be talking about discipleship. And honestly, it's semantics. Uh, you know, call it whatever you want, but the church needs people who can lead others to become disciples. So, so I'll say it like that. We've got to be building more leaders in the church. I don't know about your church. My church is leadership poor. Uh, the church I planted was leadership poor. Uh, we we just had people who who they could lead in the business world, but they couldn't. They never knew how to, or never uh, led in the church. And 
uh, if we're going to be kingdom builders and we're really going to do something to win more disciples, uh, get more people to Christ and disciple them, we've got to develop leaders, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Justin, uh, yeah. you, you kind of come at it from, you know, you've, you've, you're a pastor, executive pastor, uh, you're a connector, you're a writer, you're a serial entrepreneur, uh, you know, for the kingdom, in other words, businesses that make money but also serve the church. Um, are you seeing a rise in leaders who are being developed to lead from outside the church? Kind of how does that how does that work in your world? Well, well, first of all, yeah, I mean, I think I think we're seeing um, a major entrepreneurial culture happen where lots of startups, lots of church plants, um, but seeing business, uh, you know, leadership development outside the church, developing churches for outside. Uh, leadership. I definitely see that. There's all sorts of nonprofits. I know right now does a work is worship kind of uh, thing, developing business leaders. Um, I know another one in Dallas, Global Advance, that does marketplace ministries. And so, so I've definitely seen a rise on that. I don't see my, you know, I don't personally deal with that as much other than connecting people. So I, I look for the greatest resources, the greatest things that are out there for the church, and then I connect them to churches. So. So I don't personally uh, do it, but I'm seeing a lot of it uh, all around me. It's 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 a really great time for the church uh, with all the different software that's being developed and that kind of thing. Okay, Carrie, um, you've recently written a book. Is that correct? Did I get that uh, right? Yeah. And what's the title? It's called "Leading Change Without Losing It." Okay, so talk to me and or talk to us about change. Uh, in 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 leaders, and what what does that mean? What are what are some steps that you take in ensuring the culture of your your church is uh, developed into the leaders? And talk talk about change, the whole the whole concept. Sure. Well, I, I mean, change is a difficult subject for all of us. Um, while we're early into this subject of leadership development, I think one of the tensions for a lot of us is, um, you know, we're a staff led church. And I love being a staff-led church. I think that's a really good governance model with when you're elder-guided and, and staff-led. I think that can work really well. That's my opinion. But we've realized five years into our, our um, church plant, our life is Connexus, that one of the tensions I think is disempower leaders in your congregation. So they don't even really step up to the plate. And we were reminded of that last year when we ran a major capital campaign and it was too big for us really for our team of a dozen staff to run and so we got um, leaders engaged and we were blown away by the incredible job that they did um, in leading it and that has forced us to change um, and so one of our number one well actually our number one goal this year is ironically we need to develop more leaders at the church so I think change often we think of it as an issue that um, people at the church need to embrace, but I think it's something that those of us who are leaders constantly need to wrestle with and that we have to adapt ourselves to a consistent culture of change. So so a, a capital campaign, um, which we all love, <laughs> yes. right, uh, kind of showed you guys that um, you needed to shift the paradigm in how you're developing leaders or... Kind of, kind of break that out for me just a little bit. Yeah, sure. It reminded us. It was a, it was a pretty big undertaking, and it just reminded us um, as we got about a hundred leaders involved in one capacity or another. 
Um, when we brought them around our table, which is usually midweek populated by staff, um, the best ideas in that campaign didn't come from me. And you know, with all due respect, we have an incredible staff. Um, didn't exactly come from our staff team either. Some of the very finest ideas in the campaign um, came from people who were not on our staff. And they were willing to do more than I think we even assumed they were willing to do. And so we want to sort of carry that culture of engagement and leadership development forward. Um, and so it really challenged us from the perspective of when we asked them to step up, they more than stepped up. They came to the table with fantastic ideas. And um, we were just reminded at the level at which um, people are willing to engage if you give them the opportunity to develop as leaders. So, okay, great. Uh, Ron, us. yes, sir. You are. Um, I know fairly fairly recently you uh, well you planted a church, and now you're in kind of a new situation where you're in an already established church. You've got to rebuild um, the identity, raise up leaders quickly. You've got to establish your leadership. What, what two or three things have you found that have worked um, that maybe a pastor who's in a similar situation, uh, just, just some things that you're doing right now? Well, one of the things, because I was so new, and this is a church with a 100-year history, and so um, there, I knew there were leaders here, some of them haven't served in a long time. Some of them have never served in leadership. So the, the two things for me were ask and observe. And to do that, um, the first uh, three or four, really six months, all I did was have breakfast, lunch, and sometimes dinner with a potential leader. And every time I would ask, um, uh, who's somebody I should be talking to? Who's somebody that is uh, has potential? Who's somebody? And so I would develop that list and and my secretary would set up another breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you know, and it was, it was that way for, for the whole time. And the other thing I did was observe, and I tried to do that by setting up, you know, we had a committee system in place. This is a church that's been, is old enough to learn structure really, really well. <laughs> and so I have um, set some new teams together. As soon as I got here, we, we launched seven new initiatives. We, um, uh, I recruited, I believe the best leaders are always recruited, and so I recruited some of those people that I were meet, was meeting with, that I was uh, learning, asked them to help with these new ministry initiatives, and then observed, you know, who rises to the top out of that, who are some uh, people, man, we've never used them before, but they they did great. Uh, and, and then finally, the, you know, I believe, and I believe it's a biblical model because uh, I saw Jesus do it. Paul was that way. I look for people who are leaders in the community or in other organizations, but they've never led in the church. And I don't always know why that is, but if they have that capacity, I want to use that same capacity in the church. And again, the best leaders are always recruited. Yeah, break that out just a little bit. That jumped out at me. The best leaders are always recruited. And what you're saying is the best leaders are not necessarily the ones that raise them hand or sign the sheet? They, or? they almost never do. You know, they're already busy. They're already doing a lot of stuff. And they don't assume they have time. And part of that is, too, um, the best leaders may not be able to fit within the confines the, of the structure that you've got in place. They may have to lead at a different level. In other words, 
Uh, I'm not asking you to be here every time we have a meeting, but I am asking you to make sure this gets done. Can you do that? Uh, because the best leaders find ways to get it done. You know, we've got a guy leading our parking lot right now, and he loves to hunt and fish more than anybody I know. You know, I hope he's not watching. But he makes sure, we've just relaunched our parking ministry, he makes sure we have people out there every week. Uh, and and I don't care, I mean, I would love him to be here every week, but he, I, I don't care if he is, but I, as much as I care that the parking lot has people in it. Okay, so, and, so if you... Um, you see somebody, you say, I think this person could be a leader, or I, I see some develop that, development that needs to be done in their life. What's the next thing you do? What, how, how, do you, how do you approach? Is there like a program? Uh, do you meet for coffee? Uh, what do you do? What's, and well, we definitely of, meet for coffee or lunch, or, especially if they're buying. And uh, I always look for those people who are willing to that's not right. kid. That's a joke. But... Um, no, meeting with them is, is first, and it may not be me. It may be somebody on our staff. I'm constantly asking our staff to, hey, I, this person right here, just observing, just thinking, why don't you go to lunch with them and figure out what their interest is and that sort of thing. But as far as developing, um, and I started this several years ago at Grace, and we are just in the process of starting it here. Um, I believe in a um, in a discipleship process similar to what, gee, I mean, it sounds <laughs> it sounds like a Jesus juke here, but I, you know, similar to the way Jesus did it. That sounds good to me. But I can't disciple uh, seventy new leaders, but I can disciple six, um, or or twelve even sometimes. And so I try to have a target for me personally of six to twelve guys because I can disciple guys better that I am uh, personally investing in every year and trying to get them to a certain place. And then I've asked the staff, and I usually make that voluntary, not uh, mandatory, but uh, ask them to do the same thing. And most of them buy into it, and that includes the female staff too, so that you have um, you know, uh, that being done across the board. Here, because this is a little more structured environment, we're doing that a little differently. We have a lot of leaders that are already here, and uh, they just aren't necessarily doing, you know, leading the vision that I'm bringing to the table. And so we are relaunching men's ministry because that works in this context. So raising up, and, and right now we're in the um, context of a few, and then in the fall we'll launch into a many. So we'll have 12 to 15 uh, groups of, of men that are one-on-one -on -one discipling, leading people. Okay. I think it's hard to disciple people in groups, large groups. Okay. Um, it has to be smaller groups. Uh, Carrie, you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I totally resonate with the best leaders need to be recruited. Um, often the people who are the most anxious, sometimes that's not the best fit. And so you've got to tap somebody on the shoulder and they're usually engaged. And I think one good sign is I look to see where people have led elsewhere in life. Um, and often they just don't think that those gifts have applicability to the, to the church. They just, they've never been challenged. They've never been asked other than here, stand here and hand out a program when a lot of people have a greater capacity than that. And I agree with Ron, you know, the challenge in, in a larger church or growing church is you can end up mentoring nobody, um, or just see the staff as really your immediate circle. And I have to constantly challenge myself. I keep a couple of slots in my calendar every week that are open for me to have breakfast with key leaders, um, for me to meet with people. 
and the kind of group that Ron's talking about is uh, I want to launch one of those um, this summer again because it's just it's really important to do that and if you don't make the time to do that there's lots of other things that fill up your your calendar so I just resonate with what you say so and I'm gonna Sherry I'm gonna get to you in just a second I see that you joined us uh, but uh, let, let's kind of continue on that line just a minute uh, Ron you had said um, you can't disciple crowds, I think, or you know, it's harder to disciple many. Uh, it's easier one on one. What I one to, I mean, six to twelve, a, okay. a, a smaller group, so that they yeah, can get yeah. to know me personally. Yeah, to me, it's easier um, to do uh, one on three than it is one on one. Anybody else feel that way, um, or is it just my? introvert that kicks in. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I usually have six to 12 in my groups, Okay. Uh, not one-on-one. Uh, okay. For one thing, I'm going to say the same thing again six times if I don't do it that way. And, and most people are going to have the same questions. Right. All right, let me introduce Sherry. Sherry, are you unmuted? No, you're muted. I think, uh, Sherry, if you'll go to the right-hand corner, there's a little microphone there and un unmute uh, that and uh, Pastor Greg I believe it, it kind of makes a point here it was as hard to get a woman on this leadership development call as sometimes Sherry it is to get le women in leadership in the church so I just I think that sets us up perfect for what you were doing <laughs> Sherry are you with us now she's still muted there's a red button up on the right hand side that you've got to click and you got it? All right. But you're still muted. <laughs> Can you do sign language? Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, okay. Bottom right hand side? What's that? All right. Bottom right hand side or upper? The it's upper. It's upper right, right hand side. You got it? But you're still muted. <laughs> this is awesome. I don't know what's up. All right, well, we're going to continue to talk. And, uh, Sean, uh, if you could communicate with Sherry, yeah. can you tell her how you're going to do that? Sherry, over on the left-hand side, there's a little chat button. I'll start chatting with you and see if we can't figure it out. If not, we'll, we'll figure something out here. All right, good, good. All right, so let's talk just a minute about um, systems uh, for leadership development. Um, Justin, I know that you have been involved in uh, ministrycoach.tv. Tell me a little bit about that. What, how, how would that help a pastor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, ministrycoach.tv right now is set up for coaching and training pastors. So I, I love it. It's been a project, a life project for me to to work on. I love software and seeing how it can equip the church. Uh, but that is specifically helping, right now at least, helping pastors uh, lead their church or staff members of the church, you know, be leaders. So it connects you with 10 other people and 10 other pastors, that is, and a coach. Um, I was mentioning a little bit, and this has nothing to do with me. I'm not a part of this in any way, but a, a great tool I'm watching. Because, you know, there's the principles of leadership development, which we're talking about, and then there's the operation or the function of that and how it's done. Um, and so I really do believe software does have a place to help us you know, make it a more efficient process. Well, the new new site I just saw called ministrygrid.com, um, which is put out by Lifeway that I really, uh, I just did a demo of it last week and or a couple weeks ago and just love it. And it just kind of helps 
get your systems together so that way you can uh, funnel people through that and they can get certified in leadership, whether that's through, hey, we're going to be uh, children's leaders for you know five and under, and this is the curriculum you want them to go through. And as you know, with software, what's so great is you can track every bit of how much time they spent, did they actually read what was supposed to be read, you know, are there quizzes to make sure that they're comprehending, that kind of thing. So that's a very systematic way, but I think uh, I'm loving to see all the stuff come out to help church leaders become better at uh, equipping their leadership development systems. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, systems, and it may be software, just good old, you know, person to person. Uh, what do you use or what have you seen uh, that works in a church setting for leadership development? Yeah, you know, I think that when we talk about um, systems, of course, I mean, I think there's a, the most important thing is just to set out to say, I want to try to be developed. Or I want to put a culture of leadership development in because there's a number of aggregate sites where you're talking about churchleaders.com that A, has tons of resources, tons of blogs, tons of information. But I think a step further than that is that as I'm working with churches all around the country, the biggest thing is that everyone talks about it, but no one wants to take the step. And so I see churches that are on the very cusp and finally say, you know what, I'm going to start something, whether it's a, an internship program or whether it's, it's a coaching program or system or whether it's a process. And so what happens is whether you're talking about, you know, life church or you're talking about a church that's a, a much smaller church that I might work that goes in and says, you know, what, we're going to begin this process. And so for them, it might be we're going to take these 15 leaders through this curriculum. They begin to develop themselves. And as you do it, what I'm finding is the tools that people are putting together just by starting are absolutely amazing because some of them, you know, Pastor Ray, might be they're doing a, a large group of 30 and they take that group of 30 and they ask them to go do X, Y, Z afterwards. Or they, they go through and now they're finding great resource that makes sense through a 10-week a or a 12-week or a semester-type program. And I think the most important thing is just start. Start something. There, no one has the fix-all capsule because we're talking about it now. We're like, ah, we got some software. Yeah, we got this deal. Just start it. Begin the process. Pull some tools in. Ask people, and, and you'll find some really, really good results. Just do it. Okay, Sherry, are you with us? I hope so. You hear me? I hear you. That's wonderful. <laughs> let, me, let me introduce you to the uh, audience just a minute. This is Sherry Surratt. And uh, yes, she does have the last name uh, that I do. Uh, she's married to my brother. Uh, uh, she is an, an incredibly, incredibly capable uh, leader. Um, we worked together for a number of years. Um, she uh, led our uh, family ministry department here at Seacoast and uh, was just, uh, uh, just an incredible leader. And now she is the CEO of Mops International, uh, Mothers of Preschoolers, and uh, she also has worked with Leadership Network and their uh, Innovation Labs, and uh, just done a lot of stuff. So, Sherry, I'm glad you're here. Oh, well, thank you. It's great to be here. I apologize for being late. Jeff and I are out here in sunny Palm Springs. We're with uh, a Western District a gathering of the missionary church, speaking to pastors and their wives. So we're having fun. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I'd like to be in California right now. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, let's. Go ahead. Well, we've got, uh, you know, when we hear the word leader in the church context, if we're going to be real, uh, most people picture in their mind a man. 
Uh, and yeah. there are all kind of reasons why, and we're not going to debate, you know, complementarian versus egalitarian and all the theology stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, very few pastors uh, would disqualify women from leadership in theory, but in practice, oftentimes, that's a different question. Uh, what, what's being done to change that, and why are women uh, being at the table uh, so important in your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, having women um, in your discussions and in your primary leadership is absolutely critical. You know, they, they bring thinking and kind of a perspective that is missing at the table when they're not there. And I really kind of, I'm encouraged because I see things changing um, with senior pastors and p pastors on staff who are really seeing gifted women and are speaking into them. And, you know, for women, it's really different. Uh, men, a lot of times, will just volunteer themselves um, for a position, whereas women will wait to be asked. And um, at Re Leadership Network, I did a lot of research with just women leaders. It was really amazing, um, uh, just overall, the way women would answer that question. They'd say, yeah, you know, the reason I stepped up into a leadership position is because my senior pastor asked me to, or another pastor on staff asked me to do that. And, you know, I think one of the biggest ways we can impact that in the church is to, uh, for pastors, just to look around at the women who are gifted um, in leadership. Go to them and tell them you see leadership and ask them to step up into a leadership position and affirm their skills and their gifts. And, uh, you know, with some encouragement, many times they will do that. I think, um, you know, it's frustrating to me when I go to churches and they talk about we can't find enough leaders. Well, are you looking at 50% of your pool, which is women? Women are incredibly um, able to lead and can do so many different things. And you know, it's not a theology issue. It's really not. They can lead in so many different areas, and you need to look around. If you don't have women that are speaking into your leadership, you're missing it. Wow. Amen. <laughs> I'm with you, Terry. I think Amen. that's awesome. Amen. We're about to have church here. Yes. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, so you find a woman who seems to have leadership gifts and is capable. Um, yeah. What's the next step? What do you do? Uh, how do you uh, develop that? Or um, just as a pastor, what would you say to me would be the next step once I've identified? Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I get asked this question a lot. How do you develop women leaders? And I think my answer is, well, how do you develop your men leaders? <laughs> you know, it's really... Well, we're really leaders... not doing that, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really... Women leaders don't really develop that differently than men. And um, I think sometimes out of fear, um, a male pastor will see a woman who's very talented in leadership, but will just because he doesn't quite know what to do, he'll just ignore her. And that's the biggest mistake. Um, encourage her, call her out on the things that she's good at, and then give her opportunities. And don't be afraid to push her and to um, give her bigger opportunities than she thinks she can do, because she'll step up into it and she'll grow. And, um, you know, I've talked with so many women leaders. I talked with one the other day who said, I never saw myself as a leader. And now she's leading the whole multi-site movement at a large multi-site church. And it's because her senior pastor came and said, good night, I see leadership in you. How about trying this? And her first answer was, 
no, I don't think I can do that. But her senior pastor really pushed her. You know, a lot of times with women, you might get that answer. You might, they might say, no, I don't think I can do that, or I don't think I'm up to that. And the worst thing you can do is believe them. You know, I think you encourage them, you give them great leadership books to read, you partner them with another great woman leader, um, or ask her to find one, and then you put her into an opportunity and just watch her soar. Oh, that's great. That really is. Uh, as, whether it's a, a, a woman or a man in our church that we're trying to build leadership into, I think that we've got to speak prophetically from time to time. Uh, we've got to see more. You know, Jesus did that. Jesus saw more in Peter than Peter saw in himself. Uh, yeah. Jesus saw more in the various disciples than they saw in themselves, and we've got to We've really got to be bold and, and speak speak that in. Anybody else want to comment on, on that or anything else we've talked about so far? No, I just think that, uh, that Sherry is spot on. And I, a lot of times I go to and I'm sitting at a table of a church. Again, these are churches. I'm not on staff. I'm just sitting there and they're saying, you know, maybe what do you see that's missing or what are some challenges? And I look around and I say, you know, the biggest problem is you're, I'm at this leadership table and there's no female voice there. And so the challenge, I mean, no matter how we look at it, all of our voices are similar or roughly the same. We'll get some of that group thinking, group talking. You have to have, because you bring a different perspective. I think the same thing is with age. I think the same thing is with ethnicity. And so you want to make sure that you have a, a well, a diverse group as you can to the table, because no matter how we look at it, we will just bring our own stuff to the table. And so I think that's really, really important. And I think this younger generation of, of female leaders, I think they're maybe a little bit different than the other generation, they, I mean, when you empower, you say release, they go. They're a little bit more willing to step up than maybe the generation was. And so, again, you might not have the same hurdles, at least that's been my experience with some of the younger female leaders. And so I say push, go after, and know that diversity of all types matters at your leadership table. I would add to that, too, just to resonate with what Sherry said and what Scott just said. I think the right person is the right person. Um, for five years our sort of executive pastor position was held by a woman who was simply the right person to do the job that's not typically with a few exceptions a role that a woman would um, typically hold in a lot of churches but she was absolutely the right person and uh, we were so thankful for her second thing getting back to what you were saying earlier Greg you asked about jumping in on anything else what what's sort of the system for training leaders I think what's really helped us is having a clear strategy one of the issues is uh, there's so much leadership development material out there and so much of it is good I mean you know the blogosphere um, books conferences seminars I mean we we live in a leadership culture which I think is amazing but where do you start and so for us um, we try to start with a clarified strategy for our church and if you're clear on your strategy, I think it really helps your leaders bring definition to what they're being asked to step up with. Because we're clear on our vision, clear on our mission, but it's often strategy where you become misaligned. And if you work on alignment as uh, with, with your core group of leaders, uh, you can start to pull from a blog here, a conference there, a book there, and a book here. Um, but it begins to make sense in light of a clearly defined strategy. And I think one of the challenges for a lot of leaders is our strategy isn't all that clearly defined. So the more clearly you can define it, I think the easier it becomes to engage leaders and align leaders. That's good. I was just, uh, I was just talking to Larry Osborne at uh, North Coast 
uh, this morning. As a matter of fact, he, he's out here with uh, the the leadership network group, and he was talking about um, the principle that you you can expect uh, what you measure. Uh, if you measure something, then you're going to get results in that area. So um, let's say we've got um, a little larger staff, or maybe it's a volunteer um, uh, staff. How? What, what should we measure in order to push the leadership bar forward? What, what, what can we measure? Anybody, anybody have anything? Greg, can, I, can I jump in on that? Um, yes. I, you know, as a staff member of a, of a larger staff for 11 years, um, our pastor, uh, Scott Wilson, he, you know, this gets a little basic, but, man, we had, I remember, you know, three years in when he kind of said, hey, we're going to start growing as leaders. And so uh, he gave a challenge out for us to uh, read 30, books and to listen to a, you know 104 CDs again this is like 03 or whatever and uh, and man we did that we got at the end of the year we got a $500 bonus for doing it and then the next year he said okay now you do it and you got to do it with a small group of leaders and then we did the $500 bonus so it was really we started measuring who's reading you know what are you reading turn in your reports and honestly it's what taught me to be a leader on my own so I mean we talk about what all the systems and I shared with you software that would be great but at the end of the day I think learning or figuring out how to create a culture of learning and growth within your staff that can trickle down into your congregation and their leaders um, has been a real key for us at the Oaks. And so that's a story from when I was in a pastoral role, but uh, I'd love to hear it from the other guys. Yeah. Anybody else? How do you measure? Um, what, what, what do we need to measure in order to drive a leadership culture uh, further into our church? I think one of the, you know, we, in the culture that I've worked in, we had a metric system for everything. So we measured everything from the, obviously your, everything from you look at your attendance numbers, whether you're talking about kids, youth, weekend experience. We also measured how many volunteers you have. And we also measured the number of leaders that you were actually developing. And so that was something that we had to look at how many leaders you're developing. And so we can ask that question. And the other thing that I think the most important thing that I always measured with, with my staff was we want to make sure you have to know who your replacement is. And so if you know who your replacement is, then what it makes sure you're doing, make sure that you're always having your head on a pivot of who that leader is that has the same gifts that can be able to replace what you're doing. And so what happens from that, we never had one staff member leave to go into another position or role where the next person wasn't in that role within one week. We never had a gap. And so, I mean, I'm talking everything from our worship leader, um, who's a very, very key role, but from when the time they were gone to the next person started, there was never a week gap. And so it was the whole, if you get hit by a bus, who's going to replace you? Because when you start having that mindset, that's one of the best leadership development models that you can have and the best things you can measure because you know who can carry that torch and you know that you have to obviously be pouring into them to look at that. So those are some of the metric systems that we had and then the other ones just a little a personal anecdote of what we did specifically at our, our location. I agree with that, Scott. We try to have, uh, I call it a replacement culture, so that everybody is always looking for, like you said, for their replacement. And uh, it, 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 a lot of it is language that you use. A lot of it is just being uh, intentional about constantly asking for that and reproducing yourself. Uh, but trying to have a reproducing culture, that's uh, what we, we aim for. All right, uh, Sean, I'm going to have to step out. Um, I've got to go finish uh, developing leadership in next-generation pastors. 
uh, in it. So I've got to cut out just a couple of minutes early. But uh, thanks, everybody, for being a part. It's been a great discussion. And uh, Sean's got a couple more things that we want to go over. And uh, and uh, so, anyway, I'm out. We'll see you all thanks later. Thanks for what you do, Greg. Thank hey, you. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. thanks, Pastor Greg. Hey, I wanted to continue a discussion that we're on with, with Sherry just a little bit, too. I had a question. I think others can jump in a little bit. As we are developing leaders at Freedom Church, which is a church launch of about 20 uh, months old now, and we are really making a big push because we're growing really fast, and so we're needing to develop leaders faster. Um, we have about 25% of our attendance as children. Uh, which tells you that we have a lot of young families. Um, in fact, uh, we're starting a mop, Sherry, at uh, Freedom Church. They're, they're starting it now. And so uh, we're not at Freedom, but some of the ladies in Freedom are starting it. And so one of the things we're running into is is we do see some sharp leaders um, in our young women, especially, and I mean, the way they lead their households, the way they lead their homes, and they some a lot of them work outside the home. But we're finding a culture, and this is not just the women, but a lot of it is of just... Uh, the busyness of life and, and, and the, uh, the, the craziness of all the, the children and raising the children and going here and going there and the young dads are the same way, the young moms are the same way. Um, and so we're, we're finding that the time to develop leaders, not just call out the leaders and say, okay, here's the task, but finding that time to develop them is a, is a very big stressor. Uh, what, are, what are some ways maybe that, that we're missing and other churches are missing of times that we could find to develop leaders maybe even how does mops develop their leaders I'd love to, to hear that on, on the ground you know as they're developing their their replacements and then what are you guys finding too as well of the, the kind of hurried culture and how, how we continue to find the time to pour into our leaders yeah that's a great question um, Sean and um, you know uh, with mops we have um, 30,000 we have a, a, a force of 30,000 bombs volunteer leaders that really make all of our groups happen around the world and these are all young moms and it is a battle to be able to figure out how do they find time to do that and how do we as an organization find time to train them you know we put a lot of our leadership training online um, through webinars and videos and we try to record everything so they can watch it you know at their own leisure but then we place uh, volunteer coaches around the country in their area so that they can meet one-on-one. -on -one. I think a lot of times content can be handled um, online uh, in a situation where they can do it late at night after the baby's in bed or their child children have gone to bed, but then it's important to have a live connection where they can actually talk to somebody via Skype or in a coffee meeting so they can talk over what they've learned. You know, we use the philosophy here, we use this sentence a lot where we say, it's really important as a young mom to be able to find your balance to do ministry with a baby on your lap because you know for a young mom that's what you have to do you can't uh, you know not take care of your children and life is really busy so you kinda have to be able to find your balance so we offer training opportunities that can be done in many different ways um, you know online video Skype um, live opportunities all those types of things and um, you know I, I don't let women get by with the excuse that I don't have time because if you are a leader um, you can find a way to serve in some way and you may be able to just uh, do phone calls from home different things like that but you, you can find a way to do it awesome that's great and that, that's a good challenge to and I think to give unleash us to, to call it out of the ladies because 
when I see what my wife does with three kids, there's no she's a leader. Like so, she's got to be leading and serving. Uh, she's amazing, and so I want to see other ladies just like her serving as well, and not to give them the excuse. I like that. How about, guys? Just in, a, in a, another in this culture, it's busy. I mean, is is high tech. Uh, working or is it is the high touch high tech combo working? What are you guys seeing out there? Yeah, what what we see is um, a lot of dual income families in our context um, north of Toronto, and so it seems to be even busier. And I think sometimes churches make the busy culture even busier because we try to offer programs every night of the week, so that a family has a really hard time being a family together. Um, we have a very simple model of ministry as a North Point strategic partner. Um, being a partner church, it's sometimes even a lot simpler than North Point, so we don't do a whole lot. I mean, when we print a program on the weekend, um, it talks about the next week in community group, and, and that's about it. And people say, well, what other ministries do you offer? And we're like, well, that's it. Um, but we also do double, we have two locations, and we do set up and tear down every week. And people never come to study our volunteers, but when they come to visit us, they always go, what's the secret sauce with your volunteers? And we didn't know for a long time, and then we figured out, well, we don't ask them to do a lot of other things. And so when we say, you know, we need you intensively for eight hours on a Sunday morning, they're ready to jump in. And I think usually we don't have a problem getting people's attention because we're not part of um, the clutter and the busyness in their lives, I think, for the most part. And, and then you just raise the level of mission and they realize, well, this is you know, one of the opportunities I have to make a difference that's bigger beyond ourselves. So those are two things, simple ministry, high vision, that's really, um, I think, helped us at least compete with some of the clamor that's out there for families' time and attention. That's great, Kerry. I like that. I've just... If it's central, like you said, a, a strategy that's central to, lead, to developing leaders, uh, then you just do that through the contacts and the rhythms too of what you already have, which is a very simple uh, strategy, which is which is great. Hey, Justin, I saw, I think it was your blog today. Um, you talked about um, followership and yeah. how that has helped in your in leadership development. And, I, and as I read that, I thought, you know. In most cases, even if you're a leader, you are a follower as well. There, there are very few people who sit at such a top of an organization that they don't answer to anyone else, whether a board or a right. outside, you know, mentor or whatever. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, and then maybe others would have some insight too. Of how are you developing as a leader by being a follower? Well, I mean, for me, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm a way better follower than I'm a leader, and so other, up until starting a few companies, I've always been. A great follower. I I'm a pastor's best friend. I just I love that. Like I love finding a great vision and just serving that vision. And so it's always been really simple for me. So I hate to. I don't like oversimplifying it because maybe some people just really struggle. They're a they're just a high you know dominant leader. Uh, for me, it's not. And I, I so I love uh, helping people think through what it means to to be a follower as a leader. And uh, so that's you know that's why I wrote on it. But. Um, you know, I, I know Leonard Sweet wrote an incredible book uh, about followership, which is was just an amazing change my whole perspective uh, as a leader. And just uh, I would just recommend anyone that's a leader to be thinking, praying, reading about what it means to be a true follower. Uh, that's been the biggest uh, asset to me over the last five years. Did you, anybody anybody else on that? I mean, have you what are your have you learned leadership lessons by being a follower? And and I know I would think Carrie for you guys. I mean, you are the leader of Connexus, but you also follow the vision of the North uh, uh, North Point House a little bit too. So you you kind of having to be in that dual role. How does that help you as you uh, as you develop leaders? 
Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I have the privilege of, sit, uh, privilege of sitting under some of the best leadership in the world. And um, we sort of have the North Point sphere. I also um, uh, work with Reggie Joyner and have an opportunity to learn from him and the people in Orange. And I just find the longer I lead, the less certain I am of my own instincts. And um, I have developed a series of friendships, a handful of friendships slash mentorships where I'm just like, hey, can we do a Skype call once a month? And, you know, I've got people all over the place that know me and I know them. And, you know, I try to read widely. Um, I read some of the blogs on this call, you know. So I, I consider myself a learner first and a leader second. And um, I, also, I also hire a coach. I've had a leadership coach now for the last three or four years probably. And, um, I mean, I, I, in, in this case, it's a woman, and I ask her, Will you just look at my personality profile, hear my stories, and tell me where I need to grow? And um, also learn from our elders. And, and I feel like I learn from my staff, too. We have an unbelievable staff and volunteers. So I think it's as much a posture as it is a position, but you have to have a posture of an open heart and a learner. And, and I'm, I'm really hungry for that. Very cool. And if I can jump in here real quick, um, you know, as a follower, I like to ask myself the question, um, how do I like to be led? And, you know, not everybody likes to be led the same way, but a couple of things that I like that I think is I like it when a leader gets to know me and they learn my particular style. And um, I try to do that with the leaders that I'm developing. I try to figure out, do they like a lot of hands-on opportunities or do they like, you know, just time with me to be able to talk about things. Do they like to read books together? Um, really to kind of study how they learn um, I think it is, is a great way to develop somebody and I've always appreciated that when people do that with me. I think that, that is great when you talk about serving and uh, Scott what were you going to say? You jump in there. Yeah I'll just answer a really good point. I just think as a caveat to what, to what Sherry just said I think it's really really important for the individuals that we're leading and one of the things that I like to do if we take the time to make sure that we've hired the right person on our team especially on our staff teams or the people that we're developing is that when you sit down and spend the time with them you know I always spend I did the 80-20 rule. I spent 80% of the time just talking about them and their what's going on with them personally, whether they're an introvert or extrovert, no matter what their personality type was. And we spent 20% on tactical stuff, ministry stuff, because if they know you care about those things, and then they will also be more willing to learn, to work harder, to find more, to do more, and you'll get a lot more out of people. And I think you get them further faster if that's the case, as opposed to you're always talking about tactical, you're always talking about next steps. And then I think also another point, to go back to what you know, Carrie had said earlier, is that in a, in a ministry context, the ministry cultures of these fast-growing, fast-moving churches, we just spend so much time on growing, 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 adding, 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 that we don't take the time to really, and, and there's not enough empirical data because we haven't done it that long to know what the implications are on these young families and young staff. So I just think understanding personal rhythms, personal what's going on, and really, really caring about people's personal life and schedules is probably one of the better things we can do in their development. That's great, Scott. I think that goes back to where we started, which is, uh, I don't want to reopen the, the question, but it really is leadership development is discipleship. And if, you, if you're discipling someone, you care about their schedule. You care about pushing their limits. You care about how they want to be led um, because you're pastoring them. You're discipling them. You're not just developing them to be a cog in your system to get things done. 
but you're developing a person, and uh, I think that changes changes everything. But, well, guys, thank you, thank you so much for being a part of uh, Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg, and and uh, for those of you watching, uh, thank you for being on the call with us. Uh, we uh, we're excited to be able to offer these to you, and we hope it's been a help to you. Um, in two weeks, we're going to be having uh, a small groups discussion, so we'll have some leaders from all over the country, including uh, leader, leaders uh, Chris Surratt, who's leading at. Uh, uh, in, in Pete Wilson's church in Nashville, we're going to be uh, having him on. Hamp, who's over at the uh, Church of the Highlands, is going to be with us, and then other leaders as well, including Brent, Brent Eastman as well, will be on that, talking about small groups and just uh, what's on the horizon for small groups, what's working, what's not working, and I think it'll be a, a great time together. So make sure and join us in two weeks, and we'll have the information out. Uh, thank you to everybody who's on. Carrie, uh, uh, Justin, uh, okay, Ron, Scott, Sherry, uh, Sherry, we're glad to get you on. You were you were powerful for the time that we had you on here. So thank you uh, so much for. I'm glad that you persevered. That was a leadership lesson right there. Yes. How hard it was for Sherry and I to get her on this call. Uh, you would you would know that's a leadership lesson on perseverance right there. Never give up. Uh, thank you guys, and until next time, 